I, I, I'd just like to uh, start off this momentous occasion by uh, saying the uh, the mantra of my people. Thir- it's uh, 3.22 p.m. Saturday, October 21st, and OU still sucks. <laughs> Fuck Oklahoma. <laughs> Fuck Oklahoma. <laughs> Fuck them. I hate them. <laughs> I wish that entire yeah, state I, I was also just, don't like them. I wish that that entire state was uh uh Indian territory as uh well, we you, promised to them and then we I, you know why uh Chris Chris you know why Oklahoma doesn't uh float off into the Gulf right or, or why Texas doesn't float why Texas doesn't float off into the Gulf right I would love to hear it because Oklahoma sucks oh <laughs> there we go that's good that's yeah. good you know what though also now Jake you know I'm an Iowa State fan. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate heard. you guys too. I hate you guys so much. I hate you guys. You tried to destroy Jake, our conference. I'm, I hate you. I'm putting my I'm putting my putting my Don Draper face on right now. We don't think about you at all. <laughs> you do when it's November in Ames. We always fucking lose to y'all. I fucking hate it. Yeah, <laughs> the last yeah, five you years, goddamn right you do. They've had our number. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is this has been the the fruitless uh, sports corner, real yeah. quick before we start <laughs> well, the book club. What, here, yeah. One more quick sports corner. <laughs> one more quick sports corner. That San Diego logo sucks ass. It's so bad. It literally looks it's like someone so made it terrible. On, like. like Baby's first light room or some shit. What in oh, the were hell? you sharing those in the? Was that in the fruitless Discord? You were sharing those. Yes. I, yeah, man. I, yes. Yeah, those those looked pretty bad. You're right. God, they're so bad. It's, it's so literally like bad. it's literally like you got. It's literally like you got an ult, an ultimate team card on FIFA 05 or some shit. Yes. 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 <laughs> it's so bad. Oh, it's man. so bad. Those San Diego logos are so shit. I'm gonna, um, I need to get a a soundboard when I have a little bit of money, and I'm gonna have a little like music thing that's like the fruitless sports corner whenever you guys go on this. (laughs) 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 While I sit, sit kind of nodding, pretending I know what's going on. Like, yeah, buddy, 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 I'm gonna get you there, okay? I'm gonna get you there. We're we are gonna like. That's only so many things you need to know. That's yeah. If people subscribe to the Patreon, I'll like sports. (laughs) 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 Uh, But this is uh, this is of course a a book club, Um, and we're talking about for for this episode. We're talking about late Victorian holocausts, and to start Uh. us off. I am going to read, I think, one of the greatest little sentences at the end of, what is it, at like this early introduction, his a note on definitions mm-hmm. as a kind of a look into how this is going to go, how this conversation is going to go. He goes, it is the burden of this book to show that imperial policies towards starving subjects were often the exact moral equivalents of bombs dropped from 18,000 feet. The contemporary photographs used in this book are thus intended as accusations, not illustrations. Welcome to the Fruitless Book Club. You are listening to the Fruitless Book Club, 
a podcast within a podcast where we read all those nonfiction books we've been meaning to read. This is episode two, Late Victorian Holocausts, where we discuss Mike Davis's seminal work about colonialism, famine, and the making of the third world. Like, I'm doing it right now. The, like, awkward laugh. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? That's probably... uh... Oh, good. Oh, I was just going to say, it's actually weird. My copy is just full of pictures of Oklahoma. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a, a good thing to say, Chris, is like, yeah, the awkward laugh is like, it's not that we're making light of anything than this. It's that it's so awful and so just like un seemingly just kind of pushed out of the historical record, you know, at least yeah. up until da- Davis wrote this in like the early 2000s. So I think it started to change. But like, it's just. I don't know. You just have to like laugh at how evil the people involved in this are. So real quick, I'm going to say welcome to the fruitless book club, uh, the second ever book club. So that's super exciting. And we are joined today by the the book club is growing. Uh, Chimera was not here for this one. She might join us next one. But um, we do have me, of course, Josiah Sutton. And I am joined by Chris Barker, who was here last time. They can't see me doing this thing. Sorry. No, they can't. <laughs> and then Jake the lawyer. Hello, everyone. Jake the resolutely handsome. <laughs> Jake the <Well>. resolutely handsome. <laughs> we can. Uh, uh, that sounds like a gift cat link. Um, I, I think. Uh, I think we should have that. You know, like, you're not you Jake are, uh, the lawyer. You are Jake you the all resolutely <laughs> handsome. Yes. Yes. But uh, yes, I am. Uh, uh, I I'm Jake, and I am a lawyer, and I'm. Happy to be part of this uh, uh, of this adventure, uh, this mm-hmm. extremely depressing adventure. We we've <laughs> joked about Jake being the in-house lawyer for Mammonberg for a while on the Discord, but now he's also the in-house lawyer for Fruitless. So I can do yeah. libel now. <laughs> Brother, uh, we're that's uh... <laughs> Great, so mighty, Josiah. I'm just gonna add. Uh, we're gonna add like a really long disclaimer to the end of this, <laughs> to the end of the podcast, <laughs> and like the sped up disclaimer voice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like a like a gambling ad, like, like a gambling ad. You need to you need to do that, like a gambling ad. <laughs> like uh, the content <laughs> of the podcast <laughs> intended <laughs> satire and parody. Uh, satire parody 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 very oh, use blah 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 that there? Um, well um yeah so we are we we're talking today about um you know late victorian holocaust as i've probably said about three times thus far uh so this was my pick last pick was the basque history of the world which uh which chris picked out um and then jake's will be the next pick so we'll find out at the end of the episode what it is uh, very exciting. Um, the, so, like, p- the reason I, I picked this is like the the 
concept behind the book club with Chris and I, like in the beginning was just like nonfiction books we've been meaning to read, but just never have gotten around to it and needed that like push. And this is one of those books that does, that's been that way where I, I have seen it cited consistently as a really important historical text for, especially a lot of modern leftist thinkers. Um, but also it is called late Victorian Holocausts and El Nino famines and the making of the third world. And my copy has a bunch of starving children on it. And that does never seems like the kind of like reading I want to wind down the end of the day with. And so I, I put it <laughs> off for a few years, um, which I regret now that I've read it. I, I do regret that. I mean, it is as depressing as it looks like it's going to be, but, um, I, I have felt it affect how I looked at things over the last like month of reading it. I don't know if you guys felt the same way or not. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. I was not having a fun time. <laughs> Sorry for picking this book out. <laughs> I, uh, it's, I, it's rough. I mean, yeah. I mean, there are points where, and we'll get to this, but like there are points where they're describing this shit as like the, the people in India being fed, less per day than like the worst concentration camps in the, in mm-hmm. during the Holocaust. And mm-hmm. it's just like, Ooh, Ooh. I, uh, I listened yeah. to an audiobook of it with the physical copy, occasionally peeking at it. What I wanted to like, really be like, wait, what did I, what did I just hear? Like, um, kind yeah. Of okay. But that's like, what did I just read? Yeah. <laughs> And um, it was so funny because I would be listening to it throughout the workday. And and when my girlfriend would come into the room, she would just like suddenly look cold, like just stare like, what the fuck? Because I would just be kind of at this point, kind of numb to it at this point. And I'd just be listening to like, yeah, they were making, you know, meatballs out of human flesh. (laughs) Just yeah, or, or or you oh. know, like, hey, uh, everyone was so weak that the animals were just like, hey, we can have a we can have a go at that person. Mm-hmm. No, what the hell? Like, Kylie yeah, just doesn't like want Kylie just like doesn't birds. want to eat you. Yeah, birds just like terrorizing like children and stuff because they were so weak that the birds were stronger. Yeah, the birds it's, were like, hey, we like... can have a go. Like, oh my like, god. Oof. I yeah, I, there was. <sighs> I was reading this, um, like I like, I like burned through it while, uh, Kim and I were on vacation, which, uh, Hey, the vacation was good, but, uh, holy crap. This was not a fun little side. Uh, Mm -hmm. this is not a fun side quest. No. Like every time I would like, I would put the book down and Kim would be like, are you okay? I'm like, no, I just read about like 10,000 people dying. Yeah, that and wasn't just like good. That I didn't, I didn't like even it. know I didn't even know this happened. And you know, early on he he makes a jab at um you know, a historian I like, to be clear, Hobbsbaum. So a little yeah. I was a little defensive. I was like, no, no, don't don't go after Hobbsbaum. I like him. But you know, it was a right call as he was pointing at I think Age of Capital and then mm-hmm. uh, whatever the one after that is. And he, he's like they Hobbsbaum doesn't talk about this. Yeah, the, yeah, this stuff happening, and it's like literally twenty to to ah oh man, the numbers go even higher than twenty million, but you know, like twenty million people dying worldwide. Yeah, and you know, even even Hobbsbaum, the great Marxist historian himself, did not mm-hmm. pay attention to this uh, this way that capital was crushing the global South. Yeah, like didn't didn't pay attention and didn't care to pay attention. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know. <laughs> 
yeah, bit of a bummer. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so I think, uh, uh, and, and we may have mentioned this, but the, the book is a, is specifically about, um, uh, well, it's, it's title gets to the point late Victorian Holocaust. It's, it's, it's about uh, a series of famines in the late 1800s, early 1900s that mm-hmm. were exacerbated by, uh, or, or according to Davis, were exacerbated by the economic policies of mm-hmm. um, colonial uh, empires. Specifically and, Britain. Yes, yeah, specifically Britain. There, well, there's a uh, lot of, uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, condemnation for the Dutch in, in there as well. The, the yes. Dutch and, <laughs> and J- Japan does make an appearance too with, with the Chinese. Yeah, with Korea. This. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, but, sorry, yeah, go, but, but, go ahead. But it's, it's, it's essentially the the uh, the argument is that um, yes, the environmental conditions made these areas uh, susceptible to drought, um, but that the resultant famines were not just a result of the weather. It was the weather combined with the all-consuming need to profit. Um, mm-hmm. Or as uh, as Davis says, the the religious adherence to Smith uh, to Adam Smith's principles that mm-hmm. caused the uh, w- that caused famine. Uh, and, and of course, he he defines famine as um, uh, uh, partly human made in, in that. So yeah. so it's 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 the combination of capitalism and uh, drought. Um, the the El Nino Southern Oscillation droughts uh, that cause mm-hmm. uh, these uh, that cause these extremely uh, horrific uh, uh, events. Yeah, it's it's like the simple like hand, you know shorthand to think of in your head is Mike Davis's pr- idea is he, he's always using drought famine with a you know hyphen between the two. Drought is the natural side. Famine is man made. Drought is like a thing that happens in the world. Sometimes the rain doesn't come. Famine is a thing that happens when we decide not to feed people. Mm-hmm. And because like, that's le- like, that's a pretty, like at this point, I, you know, like at this point, like that's a pretty well established, like line of thinking is that like mm-hmm. droughts are natural. Famines are created. Like, yeah. We can feed people. There's plenty of food, you know, in the past, um, like if we're talking ancient history, then I think drought and famine, you know, they can really just be the result of nature because there was not the infrastructure to make to sometimes mm-hmm. maintain the food or whatever. But in the modern age, there is no such thing as a natural famine. Yeah, because there is we always just enough food. Give people stuff. Yes. Um, so I quickly yeah. want to go through Iowa has enough fucking corn. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, we have so much corn. Um, now, so I'll go through real quick a couple things that I think are kind of his basic thesis statements that I think then kind of makes it easier to talk about the rest of it. So the first is there's just a, a good little quote from him. I, I don't I didn't pull this directly from him. I believe I'm paraphrasing him, but mm-hmm. the, uh, the fin de siècle, which is like, you know, the end of the end of the 19th century is usually regarded as a golden age in mm-hmm. European and U S history. Um, 
you know, this is the Gilded Age in the U.S. This is, you know, the Victorian era. This is like when these nation states come to prosper in Europe. But for the rest of the world, that period is remembered as an era of horror and concentration camps. And basically how this plays out, like a a timeline, zoom out real quick of everything he's going to talk about is that the Enso cycle, which he gets into a lot of detail about, and I think we're not going to get into nearly as much because none of us know our meteorology that well, but the Enso cycle, um, you know, is is kind of going in and out from, it, it causes droughts and floods, basically. So between the period from the American Revolution to the crowning of Queen Victoria, Enso had a high amplitude that caused a lot of natural disasters. The weakness from the drought like from droughts and stuff that happened because of the natural disasters and the floods affected those areas. They, they weakened those areas and that allowed for colonial expansion. So colonial, you know, colonizers used the presence of drought and natural disasters to encroach on China, India, various places like that. And so went on to calm after this colonial expansion, which opened the door for even more expansion during what, you know, is generally called like, like Hobbs, Hobbs bomb labels, like the age of capital during that time. And during that period, there was a bunch of building of agricultural structures and areas that were only habitable because of basically a fluke because of basically a current calm period in the end. So, and it was, you know, making the assumption that this would be the new norm. This then led to a series of crises in the 1860s and 1870s, which is where the book really gets going. Mm-hmm. Um, after the 1870s, the Enso calms again for a decade in the 1880s. Everyone kind of recovers and goes like, okay, that was bad. We're not going to do it again. But turns out it gets bad again in the 1890s all the way into the 1920s. Um, and then this was where, you know, things got really, really bad. Um and so, you know, on, onward, he tracks kind of the Enso where it, it from 1926 to 1971, it's been actually really, really calm. But in in recent years, and this was written around the turn of the millennium, um, we're actually returning to a lot of the same kind of state of, of, of yeah, we're, uh, we're, the environment we're getting now. into this shit is bad. Mm-hmm. And like I I'm, we, we talked about it like just a little bit, but like there's. There's a giant drought in mm-hmm. Brazil right now. Again, right now, like, yeah. Like the Amazon is the lowest that anyone has ever measured. That's not great, especially because Brazil is one of the. You know, this book focuses primarily on three big countries, and Brazil's one of them. It's, yep. it's Brazil, India, and China. India, I think, is where it spends most of its time. But yeah, um, those are the big three, and then it it you know tries to get into smaller cases that were happening in like Africa and other parts of Asia. But um, yeah, so, so Brazil being the same, you know, at, at a low level, you know, the Amazon being at a low level right now is, uh, you know, reflective of like, keep in mind that this was a, one of the huge famine, you know, uh, yeah, places like, in, in the Victorian era. Yeah. And it like turns out, Oh, Hey, there's an El Nino happening right now. Oh, mm-hmm. like, this isn't good. I, or, well, okay. Yeah. I, I think. Oh, go go ahead, Jake. Go ahead. Oh, oh. I was just gonna say that it's also interesting to see this rise in Enso activity coincide with a, a sort of right wing international wave. Um, that we're watching in, right in now. Yeah, of, yeah. 
uh, uh, fascism and austerity. Um, because one thing that that you uh, notice is a lot of the things that are uh, traditional conservative policies and con- traditional conservative arguments are the same things that the British Empire was saying about the people it was crushing when they didn't work. Namely, um, you know, oh, I think these people are just lazy. Uh, there were mm-hmm. rumors of organized shirking that people would just mm-hmm. get together and just just not work. Um, and people allegations that people were just hoarding food somewhere that, that yeah. actually they weren't working and they were just hiding hiding all the food that they were supposed to be uh, putting on the train to get taken to somewhere that could afford it. Um, uh, uh, and there was means testing. You had there were mm-hmm. work requirements. There was means testing, and and, and uh, these are the same things you see today. Like, uh, you know, you need to, uh, uh, you, you know, we're going to do a job guarantee. We're going to do, uh, we're going to do workfare, basically. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Australian job guarantors are have straight up said, what we're doing is workfare. You are, you mm-hmm. need to provide <clears throat> in order to in order to receive, and uh, the. And the allegations of hoarding are like classic, just like welfare queen type stuff, um, with all the with all the uh, uh, corresponding racism. Uh, there, uh, uh, because oh, yeah. of course they were extremely racist uh, to all of these uh, to all of these uh, colonized groups. Yeah, so. and I and I think that's um, that's you know so obviously like the state of you know things in the U.S. from austerity or Australia because about austerity is not nearly as bad as this but you have to understand I, I think what this book shows is just how far that capitalists will follow this logic so it's mm-hmm. like yeah oh, you know like the the work test the reason that you want to be against workfare right you know like welfare for work is because this is how far they'll take it. They will kill millions and millions of people to maintain it. <laughs> and and, and, yeah, and so, remember that, that they're not killing them. Remember they they're not the ones killing. Oh, of course, they, of course, they, no, no, no. They're removed from it. It's 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 the weather. It's just unfortunate weather. It's you know? it's the invisible also, hand of the market. It's just the, guiding it's things this hand. way. They're, Sorry, they're, it's not. Uh, uh, I, I I will say as 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 our friend as friend of the pod David Graeber. Uh, uh, has said the, the invisible hand is actually a little bit different than that, but uh, yeah, that's not really what Adam Smith was talking about. But that's no, how it's, no. what it's come to mean due to our you uh, Chicago overlords. Well, um, you know, and I I know I know Chris is kind of a Adam Smith defender at times, and we'll we'll I'll let I you speak too. about that I in am. a second. But but what I'll <laughs> yeah, say is it's I, I, it's kind sorry, of like like, um, like like old boy didn't suck that bad. Well, right, right. Like, but my, like, my point like is, he, I, he yeah, identified, yeah, yeah. he, like, Adam Smith identified a series of relations within human society that could be mutually beneficial, right? Like, right. like that is what Adam Smith identified when he was, when he was, of course, like, he was wrong about it, but. sure but like but like he like there's so many times in wealth of nations where he is like hey the state needs to intervene on behalf of people who do not have resources right and and, so many times that he does that 
Like, the, when I was actually reading Wealth of Nations, I went, Jesus Christ, this man's a fucking socialist. Right. No, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, Marx was building off Adam Smith. But but yeah. what I would say is, like, um, the reason I bring up Adam Smith here is because I think what you could see the 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 kind of fetishized relationship with the invisible hand of the market or the market in, um, you know, the, the context of late Victorian holocausts and then, you know, the modern day might be kind of like the same relationship social Darwinism has to evolution. Oh, where, okay. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Where it's yeah. like, what it, what it yeah. did is it takes a theory, it kind of sands off the complexities of the mm. theory and mm. then kind of makes it like a fetishistic racist objects, mm. you know? Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think that's, that's, that's kind of what's going on here is it's, it's cause it's not even really market principles and like, like, okay. No, if you were truly like, a like rationalist so- market. All your workers being dead is not a good idea. No, and on all a, of like, these market. people, <laughs> and all of these people could be consuming things that you're making, but right. they're dying. Like, but why did you do that? There is an irrational relationship with you the invisible hand, with market, with 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 this stuff. It's it's not. You know, what What I think Adam Smith was often wrong about and a lot of ec- economists are wrong about is assuming that humans are rational agents that make rational decisions based off yep. the market logic. Yep. No, even the people who are running the market right now are making s- decisions based off a religious adherence to both colonialism and, you know, that in market supremacy that you yeah, don't fuck say, with the market it, ever. I think Go we ahead. also. Yeah, I, I think we also need to remember that, that this wasn't that long ago. Like a hundred and twenty no, no. odd years is not that long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. It, it, this stuff just happened in in human history. People, uh, people so, have grandparents. So it, people like to, yeah. People like to think that oh, you know, that was so long ago. Uh, the the even the civil rights movement is now oh, so long ago. So long. Racism ago. is gone. We've dealt with that. But but uh, <laughs> it, it's really not. It's it's all here. It's all it's all baked in and it just all becomes more and more covert. I think, uh, you know, one of my favorite books says that, uh, one of, I'm sure all of us, uh, enjoy our Like I said, David Graeber enjoyers, uh, mm-hmm. and, and debt really talks about how capitalism just makes debt and debt slavery more and more and more covert. It makes the, the operations of colonialism, the operations of capitalism more and more covert until, it's just baked in until until it is until it's dogma. Do we do we want to hop from to the specific nations and kind of talk about what happened? And I think that will then reinvigorate the conversation as it goes. Yeah, we'll have more yeah, examples think, of what yeah. we're talking about. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Well, let, let's start with India, which is also where he spends most of his time. Christ, and almighty. the re- the, the reason I gave that kind of timeline is because I think this is not exactly how it plays through, but here's the easiest way to think of this historically. Uh, 1870s, famine. 1880s, break from famine. 1890s, back to famine. That That's pretty much the case with all of these nations. So that's that's yeah. a good like little way of, of talking about this. So we start with 1870s in, in all these nations. Um and yeah, so the, the 1877 famine specifically is when it's is is really where things get get atrocious in India. And part of it is I I'm pissed at myself for writing the last name of a guy and not the first name of a guy. So the guy's last name was Temple. I don't remember his first name. Oh, Temple. Fucking Temple. 
Um, yeah. you know, God was damn in, Temple. Essentially I'm, using I'm market economics. I'm going to find him in hell and kill him. Yeah, because he used market economics as colonial genocide. So, you know, this became like a source of like, um, he was like mad at medical officials who were like elevating public health over public finance. And there was this push for, you know, charitable organizations, because that's also a facet of the British Victorian era, like like neocons uh, like uh, Gertrude Himmelfarb and stuff love to talk about the reason Victorian capitalism was the ideal capitalism is it was also tempered by these charitable movements. But this is interesting because this is the exact opposite, because what happened was the Anti-Charitable Contribution Act of 1877 was passed, which prohibited private donations. So not even public interference. But any private donations which would interfere with the market. And in the following summer, several million people died because of this. So that's the work camps they set up were so bad that people were begging to be arrested because jails were better had better conditions than the work camps. And they fed you better. Um, they fed you better. Right. And because in the work camps you got um, like I said earlier, not only did they give you low amounts of resources like a, a couple was it like a cup of rice a day or something something it was something ridiculous. Shockingly small. Low. Shockingly and, then, and then they low. also had and then they also had starvation tests they had starvation testing in mm-hmm. which the uh the uh, uh the people that they were torturing essentially uh, as part of this quote-unquote experiment um were receiving less food per day than in the worst um Holocaust camps. Mm-hmm. It's you know, like like you said. I mean, uh, un- until this book came out, this was not in the Western canon. The, these mm-hmm. these happenings. Well, and, and you know, some some of some semi equivalent stuff that is in the Western canon gets gets uh, whitewashed. So he doesn't talk about it in this book. But a lot of there's a lot of similarities with the way that the British handled the Irish potato famine and how mm-hmm. they went on to handle much of the global everything else this is my goddamn hobby horse go on Jill. yeah yeah the potato famine yeah yeah well because because it's um well I- ireland specifically but yeah the the potato famine was was um had the same situation there was plenty of food in britain they refused to you know pass it to bring it over uh when they did eventually bring food over in the you know starving work camps to feed people in these work camps they brought over maize from the new world to a bunch of people who did not have the digestive ability to consume corn because that wasn't uh, that was a new world not an old you know not an old world food they're you know and so it it ended up killing people then the thing they fed people then killed people sorry it's it's not just that it's that Mm. you can live on potatoes which sounds insane no but yeah they have protein they have all potatoes Yeah, potatoes are a relatively whole food. That's why Irish people were growing potatoes. Because mm-hmm. what happened is the English, fuck them, uh, said, you have to give us like grains and wool, whatever, you know, like you, you need to give you ex- us this. Yeah, maintain like, these exports. Like and all you can of eat your potatoes. land needs to be like set towards export for us now the only thing that irish folks could do to feed themselves was in this little hunk of land make some food for themselves well they could grow potatoes potatoes are pretty easy Mm -hmm. to grow and they're a complete meal so 
That's what Irish people ate. And then when the blight came, that killed what they could eat. And the British didn't and let them have the all of this other yep. stuff that they were growing. And, and so this is where this connects, and and and, 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 and that's yeah. exactly and then, the same and then, and then, thing. And then and then when they did bring stuff over, it was cheap maize from the New World, which then clogged up their digestive systems or whatever. And this is a this is a parallel. This was an 1840s example, but this is a yeah. parallel to what happened in India. So it's exactly um, the same thing. Okay, it's not just they would, it's not just a parallel. It's a it's a practice round. It was the practice. Yes, it was the small scale practice ah, land yes. to to a global Holocaust. So what what happened was, you know, what, what you know, I think up until this point, you know, you could be you could be hearing what we're saying about India and going like, OK, yeah, the Charitable Contributions Act thing, that's fucked up. But on the whole, it's like, well, there wasn't any food. What were they going to do? There was food in North. There was India. so much. North India was not, it had transitioned from subsistence farms to like more industrial style farms. They had a ton and England maintained exports during the famine. This is the trend in all of these examples. All of these examples are are drought ridden countries forced to maintain by colonial empires exports. So they had to, while starving, watch the food that they did grow leave. Yep. Always. So, so Always. I read. So I read uh, a, a few reviews of this book in preparation for this, so and I can't remember which review it's from. But, but uh, uh, one of them, uh, I thought, made a, a, an an all right point, which uh, you know, and, and as a as a train defender, uh, as a, as a defender of trains, I did take a little bit of issue with uh, Davis's focus on the building of railroads as something that was bad for the Indian people because they were used to shovel exports mm. away from the from the rural Indian towns into the richer centers. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I think he kind of glosses over the 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 fact that that uh, state intervention to to build the railroads could. I think he he glosses over like the possibilities for advancement. Uh, uh, it, 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 I I don't recall him even like touching on that. Uh, I maybe mm-hmm. I mean I could be wrong, but uh, I, he just yeah. talks about how the railroads were bad for them. Uh, and I just want to uh, 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 you know defend my boy trains. Uh, yeah, and- well, but so I I agree with you. What I would say his th- how kind of it's unspoken, but I think how how I would imagine he would respond to that is more that actually yeah that they could have been used for good, and that's exactly the point is that they they did yeah, not yeah. use the rails for you know transporting food back to back to the south. They were being used to transport the food in the north up more north. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. I, but, I, but that, yeah, that's fair. Uh, uh, yeah, that I, was one. That was one of the. Again, I, I had basically. Um, that's really it in terms of like my criticism of it. I know you guys had talked about some issue, the issues that you had, but but in terms of like not, criticism, not a ton. Of what, I don't. Uh, no, there's really not a lot you can say. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're just reading it in horror, and yeah, that's it. Like, uh, yeah, it's uh, like old, old, old boy I, just lays it out, <laughs> like. Hey, this yeah. is the thing that happened. And this is the thing that people did in response to that. I think I just like I think one of the things that I really want to drill into when we talk about like this book, like these things, is that it's I mean, we've already said it, but it's like it's human caused. 
It's because <coughs> mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and like part of the sub like subtitle is the making of the third world. So like what is happening here is that the the imperial powers, uh, Britain, the United States to some extent, Japan in Korea. We haven't really talked about uh, Japan and Korea and and that whole situation. No, but that's yeah. Um, Br- Brazil in relation with uh, the powers going on. Um, all of that is capital capitalizing on mm. uh, on on weather events that put people in dire straits and then tightening control over them and immiserating them in order for them to get more money to 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 Mm -hmm. get classic uh, extraction yeah it's Mm -hmm. it's 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 total yeah absolutely it's it's just it's it's extraction exactly like you said it uh, it it is crazy to think i just think that it is wild to think that there was a moment when basically the world was more or less equivalent and then like these people had a little bit of an advantage and they just leveraged that into making people poor and sick and dying. You know, let's, let's get through India because I think the best example of what you just said there is China, which we'll get to in a second here, but, Mm -hmm. but that's, that's, um, especially because, you know, China was, I mean, probably, you know, was equivalent, if not superior to European powers up until the Victorian era. Yeah. Like up until Um, right then. Mm-hmm. And then so, they just uh, leveraged it to cripple that fucking country. So we have then, like you know, like we kind of do, say you know, eighteen seventies famine, eighteen eighties break from famine. So we get to this break from the famine during that time. You know, there was this this birth of like militant Indian nationalism that starts to rise because of the treatment they received in the eighteen seventy seven famine. And but a lot of those resistance movements were able to get crushed over the eighteen eighties again, and things kind of returned to a status quo. Except what happened was at the beginning of the 1890s and of the 1880s, wheat prices in Britain uh, got really high. And so because of that, it was a smart business move for the exporters in India to try to buy up all of the grain in North India to have kind of a monopoly on this this export that's worth a lot. Um, which was, you know, pissing off people. There's a, like clashes with uh, peasants and stuff like that. But but on the whole, that's, that's how this goes. And then, lo and behold, by the 1890s, we've got famine again. And so we've repeated the exact same thing that just happened. Exports maintained, uh, workhouses instituted, um, no aid given. And this this the 1897 kind of era famine is so bad that there was a... Um, no, oh, actually, I want to double check this guy's name because I don't feel like I put that in right. Do, can you see it in the Henry notes? The Hendman? socialist guy. Yeah, Hindman. Is it Hindman? Hindman. Oh man, but yeah, <laughs> socialist, uh, socialist. You know, dragged off of the, you know, dragged away by the cops in protest of of demanding aid be sent to India and in Britain. So it was by this famine when shit was starting to finally get talked about in Britain of like what was going on. You know, and by, toward the end of the famine, even like the pro imperial press that was all about those. You know, like we made things good for India because we made the train. You know, like that kind of those press was like even going, this is bad, guys. Like like, there are millions of people dying right now. And the conditions in these work work camps are 
are awful. So um, it's interesting to note that that a lot of a lot of the reporting before the mainstream started to pick up on it was missionary groups mm-hmm. uh, uh, in these in these places were the ones reporting back and saying um, things are not so great here. Uh, yeah, no one has food. And yeah, uh, and, and th- this becomes a more a bigger uh, uh, issue in China because, as you might know from yeah, the dates yeah. that we're listing here, there was a particular anti-missionary revolt that took place <laughs> during this time. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, they were they were the only you know one of the only Wait, people sorry. that had their. You know, That's the Boxer ahead. Rebellion, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm talking nah, about Boxer yeah. Rebellion. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get back to that. <laughs> You know, and, and another aspect of this too that I, I think I left out with the 1877 famine, but it's it's consistent throughout this is extreme drought is often then followed by a bunch of floods. You know, in in and so, and because of that, malaria or various other waterborne illnesses sweep over. So, like part of the death count comes from people afterwards um, getting sick. And actually, um, this is this is a uh, uh, Davis's most controversial claim because this is the one that like appears in in uh at least on like the wikipedia page and stuff is the thing every critic is like <laughs> mad about um and i don't know maybe maybe the citation for it isn't great but i just don't feel like i feel like even if you cut this out it's like not like anything looks good suddenly yeah I, you know what i mean but supposedly and this is the thing people have, have you know broken in on them is so an epidemic was breaking out in india in the 1890s because of the famine and the government started doing really intense like epidemic crackdowns but not you know not still changing the price of grain or anything but they went through and they burned people's houses down and kidnapped their families and dragged them to like quarantine zones now supposedly there's there's criticism to say that this is not exactly how it played out but i feel like it's a real small detail compared to everything else we've talked about that i just don't think it really does that much damage to his thesis if it isn't true chris yeah, what, yeah. You about to say something i mean okay <laughs> they, oh they didn't yeah. burn the houses like down. like oh they didn't burn the houses but like okay <laughs> I, I'm I'm sure they did a lot of bad stuff. It's you know a lot of the criticism of this book is framing him as like a this like you know crankish you know conspiracy theorist, and I think that's the example they love to pull out because that's the one that sounds the most that way. Like you didn't even know this, but they were burning down the houses. But it's like everything else, he has just like things Parliament did as their evidence. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, like, yeah, like like literal like like acts <laughs> like. Like I'm, decisions I'm, of parliament. I'm, I'm willing <laughs> to. I'm, even a, okay, so you, so so they don't burn the house. So they don't burn the houses down. And okay, so so the the starving people are dying of starvation instead of exposure. Okay, because I right. and also like I'm the, just like I'm just willing to like I'm willing to like give this guy the benefit of the doubt because on this one how, yeah. well because of how thoroughly sourced the whole fucking book is yeah, yeah. he spends too long talking about <laughs> the science of enso because that's how committed he is to getting every detail right in this. like, if like you, the, the, the last american quarter of this damn book <laughs> the, the the american meteorological society reviewed this book and was like Mike Davis has provided a massive like benefit to the American Meteorological Society 
because of his work on like documenting and so stuff like yeah and yeah. like the, like the, the, the you know, this guy is just the a last... marxist writer <laughs> like, like a marxist like, professor again, just like the last quarter of this is notes like it's citations <laughs> <Yeah>. the last <laughs> quarter of this is citations like you it's... cannot you cannot claim that the man didn't do his work. Oh man! Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, don't know, I, I, I don't know. Maybe the American Meteorological Association or American Meteorological Society, whatever, is some kind of like they're too woke. Marxist op. Uh, yeah, maybe they're just like woke, and and I and I don't know. <laughs> but it seems like if this if this group is like you know he he's kind of right about this science, like you know he, he's he's really made a great contribution to to our work that uh you know maybe he does kind of know what he's talking about and he wouldn't right. just like make up stuff no uh, and see the thing but, the uh, thing is the reason the disproving the whole burning the houses down thing to me is annoying is because i don't think it's the point of that chunk i think yeah, his no. point there is that this is the insult to injury is that the government will refuse to set prices for grain refuse to increase like imports or whatever to the region but they will somehow have enough state capacity to start burning houses down that's the point of it so if yeah. you say oh they didn't they didn't burn the houses down it's still like okay but they never set the grain prices that's the real thing that's like the, the like, thing that they did wrong it's like not having enough state resources to feed uh or provide water for two million people in a a small little contained area, but but having the state resources to drop bombs on their hospitals. Right, I, man. If that's a really specific churches. example. What's what's going on with that? Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, wonder who's funding that. That's crazy. Um, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, we had to talk. I mean, I, I, some. It's been kind of crazy Jesus that Israel Palestine hasn't come up on fruitless yet. So I, it's kind of. Oh good my movie. fucking god! <laughs> it's the same shit, though. It's the same. It is. It is. You're right. You're right. You're right. It's the same shit. You're right. It is yeah. the same shit. You know. It is. It's. God damn it! We'll give them. We'll give them work permits. They can come out and they can. They can produce for. For the col- for the colonizer, and if they uh, don't produce, they home- then fuck them. Yeah, yep. then then fuck them, and um, uh, you know, they can. Uh, it's literally a a famine, a a Davis defined human made famine. Uh, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, because and, and you know, I was actually just uh, listening to something about this recently that. Um, a, 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 it, the state of Israel has desertified massive amounts of their country mm-hmm. um, because of water overuse and, and resource mismanagement and regularly bulldozes agricultural uh, sites for uh, mm-hmm. uh, that, that were owned and, and, and worked by Palestinians, namely olive groves, hundreds of year old olive groves. Um, and this is, yeah, this is, you know, I, I it's not, it's not a far off comparison to to throw this in here as a modern example, maybe on a smaller scale of what was taking place. Yeah, yeah, of capital driven famine. Okay, so, uh, so I want to be really clear here that this is this is capitalism, this is colonial mm-hmm. capitalism, uh, uh, which is redundant, but 
and we, we mm. can get to that. But uh, uh, it's uh, it, it's capitalism driving this. It, it's it's mm-hmm. extraction, and it's um, the need to uh, uh, keep up a certain standard of living for one group at the uh, uh, to the detriment of another. Um, obviously, there's a lot more facets, uh, a, a lot more facets to it, but uh, with racism mm-hmm. and, and uh, things like that. And well, okay, so but, on that yeah. topic, on that topic, so this is something that I wanted to talk about: food deserts. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that, how is that? Like, it's that's... the exact same thing. That is a famine, mm-hmm. because like, mm-hmm. like on on Davis's, you know, uh, definition, uh, yeah, yeah, definition, like. These are people who don't have access to food that nourishes them. They don't have access to food that is good for them. But they just I mean they got to eat. And then I mean, you know, we 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 talked about it, but it's like, okay, all you have is shitty food and then we look back at you and go, "Why are you guys so unhealthy?" Right. Because they don't have any good food. Like, mm-hmm. who's gonna and get in their car? Who's gonna get in their car and drive thirty minutes to the fucking grocery store that has good food? Like, I wouldn't mm-hmm. do that. But do you know what I do have? No. Two grocery stores in ten minutes from me. I can mm-hmm. walk right to those grocery uh, stores and, if and, I really want to. And then, mm-hmm. when you get it to the level of the colonial powers, and people start dying on mass you get to and i i think that uh, uh maybe we haven't hit on this hard enough but uh the last word in the title is a little bit of a contra- uh, controversial one holocaust mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. you and you know uh, uh, it, it, the general term used for the exterminate the the uh systematic extermination of jewish people and uh other mm-hmm. racial and minority groups uh in um uh, in World War II by the Germans. Now, that's not... Uh, and, and I think Davis specifically chooses this word to highlight the horror of, of, uh, these, of these deaths, right? Of these mm-hmm. mass deaths. Uh, um, one thing he's conscious he, about early in the beginning, though, is that he does not use capital H Holocaust, which is yeah, in reference yeah. to specifically, you know, uh, what took the, place in Germany in the 40s. But yeah, it, it is yeah, yeah. It's not the but Holocaust, but it is a lowercase h Holocaust. Yeah, it is a, a Holocaust, I, I, but it's not I think the he, I think he specifically, I think he refers to the Holocaust as the Shoah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, yes, but, yeah. But I think that the, the word is chosen. Uh, there can't be any other reason for choosing the word other than to bring that to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is a. It, it's very clear that uh, when you when you reach these levels of intentional uh, uh, restriction of resources, such that it causes this level of mass death, you are engaging in a holocaust. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's in, just, you know, I think, yeah, I just, we can, um, you, you look at the, you look at the, 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 the sources that the man marshals and I don't know how you can come to a conclusion <laughs> other than that is that like these people were happy to see. I, and, and when I say that, like, I genuinely mean that they were happy to see all of those people die and mm-hmm. 
fuck, man, it is a bummer to just, oh, cool, that's another thousand dead people. Cool shit. But yeah. these, these fuckers were happy about it. They did not let's, give a shit. Well, they got more treats. They got more treats out of it. But anyway, let's, what, uh, let's go on, Josiah. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, let's wrap up India and move to China. But I want the postscript on yeah. India, I will say, is, yeah, so it it finally cut. This, this, these famine years come to the end in 1902. Um, there was consistent stiffened relief eligibility, all that, all the same stuff. And during this period that, you know, we've talked about of India from the 1870s to the end of the 1890s, 20 million people died. Um, overall, like what we're going to talk about throughout this, the, the numbers are hard to verify because it's hard to verify a 19th century population numbers, you know, uh, in the same way we can now, but, the entire book is going to deal with 30 to 60 million. So 30 on the low end, 60 on the high end deaths. So, so that's, that's, that's something to keep in mind. Like that's a yeah. California and a Texas. Yeah. <clears throat> Just so, gone. Now China is a really interesting case study here. And, um, you know, <clears throat> for, for a couple of reasons, cause it, this played out slightly differently in China, um, partially because, Unlike India, China isn't under like direct British rule, but you know, it's, it's, I would say like, you know, obviously yes, colonialism and capitalism are the same thing, but I would say like, you look at India, it's more distinctly a colonial situation with China. It's a more distinctly capitalist situation, which is like global capitalist powers bullying a nation into opening up their markets. That's essentially what took place here. Well, yeah. And like, and, in, and like taking over like specific port cities. Yeah. And so like, if you don't have a port, you can't do shit, but we own the port. So, okay, cool. Yeah, I guess you have all of this over here, but like we have the port. And a chunk of uh, Davis's research that I think gets overlooked a bit, but I think is a really important aspect is what he talks about the role of like traditional structures in, you know, indigenous cultures or whatever throughout, you know, these various nations. There were structures built to deal with famine. Um, you know, so in, in India, there was a general like, uh, you know, uh, obligation from the state, you know, prior to, to British colonization of like rich aristocrats needed to provide for the peasantry during times of famine. And so this is this is especially the case in China. So the story with China, um, you know, he doesn't quite tell it chronologically, but I kind of organized the notes chronologically it begins actually in like the early 1700s during the the Yongzhe, uh, Yongzheng emperor. Um, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that. But during the during the Qing dynasty, um, they there was an ongoing sense of. Like, like the, the monarchy was constantly paying attention to grain prices and trying to set prices to, you know, export stuff to certain regions or whatever to maintain low grain prices. So while I'm no defender of monarchy, the Chinese monarchy during this time was invested in not doing and not allowing the kind of thing that is going to happen to, to happen. Um and in general, there's an, a, this assumption that like China was this like struggling area throughout history. That's, I feel like a kind of racist assumption consistently. And, you know, one, one thing Davis kind of points to is that there has been an ongoing idea that the, the end of the Ming dynasty into the Qing dynasty, 
the the Qing came alongside a huge population boom. But there is more and more evidence that the Ming Dynasty was actually also really heavily populated. So China, because that was a way to explain away what took place. It's like there's a big population boom, so they didn't know how to handle famine once it came around. That's not true. They there is a good chance that China has just kind of always been really heavily populated. Um, but especially, you know, at least in the Ming Dynasty as well, which saw nothing com- comparable to the Victorian era. But yeah, the monarchs would force uh, upper classes to do charity. Um, you know, there was there was kind of a a traditional structure in place to prevent any kind of starvation to take place. Um, and then our, our boys from from the Great Britain itself uh, decided to to arrive and you know fix that problem, fix that problem of said, traditional organization. I don't think David Ricardo would approve of this. We need to, <laughs> we need to fix this. Did you say we Daniel to... Ricardo? David Ricardo. David Ricardo. Oh. Uh, 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 I thought you were. I, think, I thought I... you were making a Formula One joke for a second there. No, <laughs> no. I, I literally know nothing about Formula One. You will never hear me make a joke. Uh, uh, other than that, uh, other than that, Lewis's IWCs look terrible. He. he should stop doing collaborations with them. Um, but uh, so basically, what, saying, what happened stop was saying mean things about Lewis. <laughs> Lewis, is, Lewis is my beautiful. This has boy been and I this has him. been fruitless sports corner. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, oh, uh, you know, you know, though. Um, so this is something that I did kind of want to talk about, like what you were uh, getting into there, Josiah. Is that like mm-hmm. there's there's these. Uh, communal it's a thing um we talked about it the last time that we talked about uh on fruitless of like i don't know what to do as far as like big structures and little structures right and like the way that it seems like uh the old like chinese system used to work and probably the old indian system used to work before the british came and fucked it up was that there was like a relatively communal like back and forth lower and yeah yes and and that was good um and then you get a you get a capitalist horseshit situation that just like pulls things out from the community it it erodes communities essentially alienation you hate to see it you hate yeah, to see yeah. it. it. It's it's what what it it does like in this in literal sense was like so so, you know subsistence farmers were pushed into being part of the global market, and the thing is like capitalism didn't work in such a way that like all these subsistence farmers suddenly became like entrepreneurs and you know participate. They, they were still guided by this logic of communal living, but were getting forced to export what they were producing and yep. consider themselves an agent of the market. And so the communities that existed were getting just demolished by the global market. Yeah. Well, and like, because, like, because as, when, oh, ahead, when you have to export your stuff, when you, when you have to export your stuff, you don't have anything to give to other people. You have, uh, yeah, there's you nothing, to eat, there's nothing then, yeah. to give to your neighbors. Because yeah. I had to sell it to dipshit Jones in the gray suit in mm-hmm. the Capitol. But like, but there, I, I just feel like there has to be a, there has to be a middle ground here where it's like, you're making stuff for your neighbors. 
and they're also making stuff for you. And like that that that's lost in the like, you know, purely capitalist transaction. And there's probably a like, I don't know, quote unquote more efficient way to do it than like what they were doing before, but I I don't know, maybe I'm wrong about that too. I don't know. But like it would be it would be cool if if we could come up with an ideology that went beyond the alienation of capitalism and made it more uh, uh, so efficient that we could uh, uh, distribute things uh, uh, relatively equally among our neighbors. Yeah, I, I yeah. you know it's it's um <laughs> when, when it's, people it's, when it's, people it's, need this... things they get them. <laughs> yeah, and when people from, yeah. From yeah. Each like, if you have, if you to if their... you. <laughs> Have the ability when, when people when people you, can do stuff able, they do it. <laughs> you know, it's it's like you know, it's something we need a system that addresses this social question, right? Perhaps it it yeah, could be communally. called um, like a, a socialism, perhaps, or maybe a <laughs> so, socialism. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, I I know I was being like totally like i know that i was being totally freshman year there but like it it no, really no, no. is I, like 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 that's a problem is well yeah that, and, and what i think what, what i think i think what these regions didn't have was capitalist logic they don't have the they don't have the lockean logic of private property yeah, that uh, is a thing uh, that at, gets at pushed that upon them. That is, in fact, I don't think it's natural. Of like, markets. I, oh, I don't uh, want to uh, say, I, I don't want to act like there's some like really true human nature because I think that's all very socially defined. But I, yeah, I think yeah. there's a sense in which thinking of yourself as an economic agent is not mm-hmm. natural to just humans. I think it no. has to be enforced. And, and obviously, and obviously, these these regions had markets, etc. They didn't have the 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 very specific, as far as I know, I'm not a great, I'm not some kind of master anthropologist, but, but as far as I can tell, the, the very specific form of market logic of British capitalism was not Mm. there. And so you don't, so there's no assumption that, that the market is what uh, will distribute goods. So uh, uh, they, they, understand the it seems to me that these areas hadn't forgotten that the state is what creates and and decides how the market is going to run Mm -hmm. when um the uk and america and modern capitalist nation states leave things to the whim of the market uh uh, when your average uh, uh libertarian says that you know government inefficiency is getting in the way of the market it's like well the market is the government it, yeah okay yeah that's about a, what i was that, that's what i was gonna say is that government. yeah yeah there's there's, uh, uh, there's so, no market without a government saying what is and isn't acceptable to trade and mm-hmm. i'm sure that all of the listeners of Fruit, fruitless uh, uh agree agree with me already but if you're happening if you if you're uh, uh happening to uh, upon this podcast and don't agree with me just uh read debt by david graber <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah or uh fight me yeah oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just fight 
You could, <laughs> yeah, we, we could challenge Jake the lawyer to a duel. No, no, no. We're not. We're not. No, 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 no. no. We're not. We're not challenging Jake. We're challenging Chris. Come to Chattanooga. Oh, okay, okay. Co- co- your come to make your way down to yeah Tennessee and, and get come to Chattanooga. Chattanooga. No, but, we'll beat your ass. It's the Chattanooga challenge. So, the Chattanooga it's, challenge. So, and, and Fuck this, you, this, you old bitches. <laughs> the the traditional like lower structure of this stuff getting eroded is pretty drastic because so like at least according to Davis here the food consumption was basically the same between classes in Qing China. Holy shit. Like <laughs> like if there is a just monarchy, which there isn't, but if there was, it would look like that. Right? Yep. And <laughs> Um, but of course we, we, the British show up as they are want to do as they are want to do. You know what? We (laughs) like to, we like to rag on the English and we should, Mm -hmm. but the Scots, they were there too. Yeah, they they were there and they were bad. Like the Welsh, they were the cops, the, the cops of the, uh, of yeah. the uh, mm-hmm. colonies. But anyway, so this push to Scotland, so, so what the hell? This push to be involved in the global markets or whatever led to then more corruption within the within the monarchy, um, which some, was something that, you know, boiled over in the like 1850s uh, into the Taiping Rebellion, which is. I feel like in the West, not known as well as it should. It is like one of the deadliest wars of all time. Um, you know, because of a, a, a <laughs> yeah, a, a lot of reasons. But one of the big things that that the Taiping Rebellion was was against the Qing Dynasty for was um, percep- perceptions of withholding famine relief. So we're we're starting to see this the beginnings of what's going to come in the Taiping Rebellion. Go ahead, Chris. You look like you were about to say something. Oh, no. no, I was just trying to remember something from Lions Led by Donkeys. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> it wasn't working. So we get to the these the eighteen seventies now, where are real famine years and and exactly what you expect to happen happens. They're forced to maintain exports during this period. Uh they maintain exports. Um people get so hungry they are eating leaves and reeds. Um you know, and a lot of the primary sources we have from this time are from missionaries, as we mentioned, who were living in China. Um, Shangxi was the worst affected province, um, and the Qing Dynasty just like did not respond. You know, because of its its now introduction of this capitalist logic, it's following. Um, and missionaries uh, went on to blame the state of Shangxi on opium use. And they talked about the the wonderful opening that this feminine provided to, you know, start really winning people over to Christ. So I would say, like, with the, the missionaries in <laughs> India, you read those and you're kind of <laughs> sympathetic to them because they feel like they're just kind of there and they're just watching stuff and trying to help. And going, the Chinese Jesus missionaries, Christ. The Chinese missionaries. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> they're yeah. really, really bad. <laughs> starve and convert that's the that's the yeah, name. Was you've the heard approach, of flirt and yeah. convert <laughs> now uh, 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 so uh, well, I do I do want to say I got two things one we do need to uh, mention since Taiping mentioned we need to uh, mention that uh, their leader thought he was Jesus' brother I think that's yeah, that, that, so awesome it's so, that's so yeah. 
That's so that base. was my lions uh, led by donkeys thing. That that's what it was. <laughs> oh, that's what it was. Oh, it's Jesus's brother. That is. Okay, if you want to go down an interesting Wikipedia rabbit trail, look up like the statements of faith and stuff like that associated with the Taiping Rebellion. It's fucking wild. Um, hey, it's like this my really son. strange syncretic Chinese Christianity. It's it's very interesting. Um, uh, but 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 uh, it it's wild. But uh, my my uh, my other thing that I wanted to say was the blaming of the Shanxi uh, famine um, on, on opium. opium use is mm-hmm. another one of those echoes of uh, uh, that 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 are still with us today in modern times. You know, drug use blaming blaming social ills on drug use is the- a well, I mean it's the opioid epi- the opioid epidemic that we're yeah, living it's in. A, supposedly it's a, right now. it's a total. I learned it from you situation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Hey, sorry, it's... guys. Um, I gotta pee. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> like, we'll, uh... I am gonna piss my pants if I don't go now. <laughs> I'll be right. right back. No worries. I did want to mention. Uh, I think I think we we didn't mention it, but I'm pretty sure it's China where uh, he talks about the ten thousand men holes. Uh, oh yeah, in which um, mass graves were dug uh, for people uh, for people that died mm-hmm. because of the famine, and they were known in Chinese as ten thousand men holes. Yeah, um, just another just. Yeah, absolutely devastating uh, record of, of uh, uh, a devastating black mark on the uh, long laundry list of uh, of horrors yeah. uh, committed by colonial and British. and to, to deal with this, one of the things by the eighteen seventies was this um, push to just actually increase missionary relief campaigns to come in. Like, yeah, that they're, they're annoying, but they're bringing food in. But so so by the eighteen end of the eighteen seventies, you have like a big push of an increased missionary presence in China. Um, now again, eighteen eighties things are okayish. Everyone tries to recover. Then eighteen nineties, everyone's hit again, even worse. You know, like it's the trend with all of these. So basically, during the eighteen nineties famine, thirty percent of uh, Shanxi's population died. And this is also the first chunk in the book we start getting talk talking about cannibalism. Um, you know, people, people being forced at that desperate level to do that. There's these, uh, reports out of cyan of, of, uh, human meatballs being made and sold by street vendors. Like things got really bad. And during this time, you know, another chunk of, of, you know, this book throughout it is that these famines bring about millenarian movements in like apocalyptic movements. And so one of those being, the boxer rebellion, which breaks out by the, by 1900, um, which was, yeah, this, this, the presence of these Christian missionaries is what's causing it. And we need to fucking get them out of here. And the Qing, Qing dynasty kind of used that because like the early demands were like, you know, equal division of grain and stuff like that. But the Qing dynasty found, well, if we make this like a nationalistic movement rather than about like, the the economic system 
and just have them kind of focus more on getting the missionaries out, then that's not going to affect the economy as much. Um, and so in a lot of ways, the Boxer Rebellion was like, to be, don't be, to be clear, like a totally understandable desire to push out the colonizers, yeah. but also like the focus being drawn specifically on these religious or racial divides rather than looking at the economic system that was being brought by the colonizers is, was part of the Qing dynasty's attempt to maintain power and maintain. Yeah. Communism. I mean, in, in some ways it's uh, akin to uh, what Republicans do. Uh, where they, mm-hmm. uh, you know, try to uh, make everyone's life worse and then uh, make you scared about queer people. Now, I just, I do really want to be clear. I am not drawing a, a direct no, it's not the, comparison no, it's not a direct between comparison. Christian missionaries in China and queer people existing um <laughs> i am not trying to clear. do that i i like queer people uh, and missionaries i can take or leave uh there we go chris, this is not, really depends chris, yeah <laughs> chris I, i'm there's something i didn't hear in there and i just want to say that did not sound like a hamas condemnation to me <laughs> I think you need to uh you need to. You, uh... you you have not denounced this enough yet, <laughs> man. We're living in crazy times. <laughs> what in the whole hell, Jake? God oh, man. damn it, man! That's, I am that, glad Josiah, that he's not, not on the Josiah. He refuses. He refuses to condemn Hamas. Yeah. What is going like, on? What is going on here? That's right. That's right, man. That. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to get started on this because this is a, okay. a whole thing that I've been going crazy about. Watching is just yeah. the The hysteria right now is really bad, and we're just trying to do a fucking history podcast episode right now. But the current events keep keep encroaching. You guys want to not like, condemn us? <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about Brazil real quick? Yeah, oh, yeah. Let's talk yeah. about let's talk about Brazil. Um, Let's fuck with Brazil. I mean, Brazil is a lot of the same situation. Starting out this with is... the poisonous, the poisonous cacti. My God, dude. Yeah. So there was so, this so, push so, toward. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> there, actually, what what was the state of Brazil in the beginning of this? Actually, and I'm like kind of double checking myself because I didn't take as many notes. I on don't Brazil think. As I, I think when this starts, it's just pre-empire, and then it's empire of brazil under pedro okay for a good hunk of it and then it's i mean i brazil's Mm -hmm. annoying it's 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 some complicated history here you know that's that's ongoing as a book club ongoing book club thing would be interesting to just do a, a book about brazil at some point i i would maybe be interested in that um well, we yeah can and do, also uh, just we like, can do the jakarta we can do the jakarta method oh i know it's, it's like that's that's chile, that's chile mostly, in indonesia but yeah <laughs> yeah oh man i i don't have you ever read jakarta method chris because i i've read it before but i would reread it to see how mad it would make you <laughs> oh you would lose your mind if this made you mad, whoo! This wait is until, this, wait until the U.S. gets involved. Jakarta, Jakarta is about CIA and you know CIA actions in the global south in the like thir- <laughs> the twentieth century. I'm um, uh, I, no, I, I will say I have not read that book. Um, 
<laughs> but the idea that you two want me to read it specifically <laughs> so that you can see my <laughs> so that you can see my head blow off is <laughs> what's well, what happens? I mean, like everyone you, in the Discord who's read it, everyone in the Discord who's read it is like. Fuck the CIA. Like, that's literally yeah. like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, well, because well, it's, but it's like, about... Okay, but like, I'm already there. Okay, yeah. but you don't... Oh, now, now, so, do you, no, now you do you want to... You, th- you, you think, think you're, you're there. there. <laughs> Until you read about the billion people dying in Indonesia through the anti-communist crusades. Then... What, you... Suharto? Like, I know about oh, Suharto. Man. It's... it's yeah. Okay. Anyway, future, future book yeah, club anyway. book, I think. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah so, so Brazil. Let's you know. I mean, it's go through. It's pretty much a lot of the same thing. 1870s. We get the famine. We we have specifically poisonous cacti in Brazil that people began to eat, knowing it was poisonous because it was the only food. Yeah. Well, no, um, they didn't. They didn't. The refugee. There were refugees. Oh, excuse me. That that didn't know that the that the cacti That's was poisonous, right. but the That's local right. ranchers, the local ranchers would use it to kill anthills. Um, and then That's the refugees right. were like we just need something to eat. Hey, here's this cacti. They ate it and they all went blind. That's right. They all Um, went blind. And this being a particularly Catholic region, Brazil, you know, so, you know, all of these things get interpreted in religious language for Brazil. It was a lot of God is punishing us. And that was kind of the, the consistent thing, which is kind of an ongoing thing. I think in Latin American history in the 19th century as well of these like panics surrounding, um, natural disasters and millenarian movements springing up. Brazil has a lot of some of the most intense millenarian movements springing up too. But yeah, so epidemic broke out in the 1870s. They followed the British model of you know relief effort from India. And, and, and there the it was small, in happened. Brazil. It was it was it was smallpox in in Brazil. That's right. That's um, right. Uh, which wipes them out. Yeah, and you know we ended up with they technically had better sized rations, but the work camps were just as bad. Um, this also like lines up with, you know, the 1880s and like the abolition of slavery in Brazil, um, which is its own complicated history that I don't, I don't know if we should get too deep into because yeah, it, it yeah, comes back and like, it goes away and it's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, have you guys watched, um, not watch red, uh, oh shit. It's, uh, Mario Vargas Yosa. Um, I want to say mm-hmm. the book is called war of the end of the world or at the end of the world trying to find it i'm not i'm not I that have sounds this good though book. um and if i wasn't up here uh talking to you guys i would run downstairs and find it because it's like i know it's right there on but it's called war at the end of the world it's basically about this but it, was it about the uh canudos rebellion yep in the 1890s okay yeah yep i Thank you for saying that because I th- this book doesn't talk too much about it, and I was like, "That's a rabbit trail I want to go on later." Yeah. So, so yeah. So Yosa this was in the like, yeah. Good. Well, Yosa is like populist and reactionary at the same mm-hmm. time. Yeah, love that. Um, I love when that happens. It's it's a good book. It's worth reading, but like it's about this, and like if you read so so this like that book when I read it was like my first ever encountering of famine in Brazil. And I was like, dang, they had famines. And I was, and mm-hmm. you know, I read it and I was like, oh, that sounds fucked. And then, uh, and then I read, and then I read this book and I was like, Oh, that happened a bunch of times. And it was really bad every time it happened. Oh no. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, so so pushing us through as fast as we can. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have a lot more to cover here, so I want to move quickly here. But yeah, so in the 1890s, we have again have the return of the famine, and this time the revitalization of a religious side to this. And so there's these like revolts of kind of folk Catholicism springing up, the uh, the Sebastianist eschatology. Um, yeah, um, and then the, the yeah the Canudos uh, was it was it a commune? It, it was like a city that they they formed briefly. It made me think of. Um, Made me think of Munzer a little bit um, in the Middle Ages. Um, Yo, or Waco. Where it's, yeah. Or, <laughs> I, I, I guess. I, I, I think I thought of it a little more positively than that, but sure, yeah. <laughs> you don't think Either of Waco way, as positive? N- no. <laughs> I don't think of <laughs> I, I don't think David Koresh is a great man. I'll go ahead and say that for the record. I love I love the fact that, that the whole time that they were like they were like, Yeah, he comes the, the cops were like, Yeah, he comes to like the the Sam's Club to like buy a bunch of shit every week. And they like, if you just told us, we would have picked him up. What the fuck? The, the most anyway. classic cop move. Anyway, that's Anyway, there is a, there is a, it, you know, again, it's, it's kind of because it's like a folk millenarian movement. It's kind of hard to label because like some people call it communist and some people call it monarchist, but there was, you know, this, this city under rebellion, um, under a religious movement that essentially gets sieged and pretty much everyone killed. Um, it, it yeah. is a still an empty region to this day. Um, it's just a, a ruins of it are still there. So. Um, yeah, I think it was so difficult now, to, at this point in the book, it was difficult to read about Brazil, I think, because everything was blurring together. Just like yeah. tragedy after tragedy book. after tragedy. Well, let's do uh, the blur here. Let's let's talk about all the other regions real quick. <laughs> and we, I could just go quickly, quickly through them because they're all, there's a lot of them, but we can just go fast because this happens not, these three regions are the most heavily affected. They are not mm-hmm. the only places this happens. So yeah, this is the this is um, the side effect list. Uh, this is the side. Yeah, these are just the side <laughs> stories. So Korea was forced to maintain exports of rice to Japan throughout this whole thing. Uh, yeah. Vietnam throughout this period saw massive millenarian movements uh, brought on by the belief in reincarnation that began attacking French colonizers. Um, there, there were, oh, and you also nothing saw bad happens there. Consistent attack on French colonizers in Indonesia, uh, and or sorry, the Dutch in Indonesia. Um, you have the Philippines and the Spanish. There were indigenous shamans who were nothing uh, bad supposedly happens in the Philippines make, either. Who were, yep, who were trying <laughs> to make rain happen because the priests couldn't do it supposedly, and you know, millenarian movements break up there. Um, all of these places have the same thing happen where market principles are getting applied when they do not work. Southern Africa, we have droughts, which allowed the Portuguese to expand into Southern Africa. Um, we have the Zulu quoted as saying, I think that the English chiefs have stopped the rain. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who, you know, and they went on to massacre a bunch of British British troops. Yeah, and um, then we get the Boer War. We get the Boer War, yeah. That triggers this. 
uh, you know, in North Africa, we have uh, Egypt getting pressured by European tax collectors to keep <clears throat> collecting on starving people throughout these famines. We have Algeria forced to liquidate all of their source of wealth and livestock to compete in the market. Same stuff happens in Morocco, Australia, Polynesia, and Oceania generally. There were also dr- droughts in even Andalusia and Bosnia. I'm not even done. <laughs> like... We'll never go, be go, done. Go. You got this. <laughs> well, oh my God. If there's something that I have learned from this is that we'll never fucking be done with the impact. This, this, yeah. Like, no, they're, they're, they're just continue to have it. Um, you know, we, have, we will, we will be done uh, when global communism comes and uh, that's right. One we, of these days, uh, when luxury space, <laughs> global communism, uh, Gay global communism comes and yep. uh, makes us all makes us all what? Luxury, the... luxury gay space communism. Give it yes. more. Uh, so more yeah. droughts happen in Ireland during this pre this region, which increased the uh, amount of Irish people who were migrating to the U.S. Um, one of the yeah, only places up. that actually benefited from this area was Tahiti in North North California had massive rainfall. Which, if you think of your time period, this increased a lot of the you know, move out West that was going on at the time. Chris, what do you have to say? Yeah. That also fucked us. Oh, in the long run. Yeah. Or, or then. Yeah. Yeah. All of, uh, all of California's water rights situation is based on, Oh, Hey, it was super wet right now. That's it's going to keep raining. Right. Come Never mind. Won't. Never no, mind. It, won't. it wasn't a good thing for North California. It Never mind. bad. <laughs> <laughs> and and I just want to say we actually don't like the uh, we're the, actually not the Colorado of the, River of the, of the Irish of the we're actually not fans of the Irish migration um, because it brought no. us the uh, stereotype of the Irish cop. So, that's true. Um, that's true. More cops like in that. Boston. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I don't. I don't. I don't like the cop. I don't like I don't, the cop thing. I love I the like, Irish, though. I do like the yeah. Irish being here. No, I love the Irish. I love the Irish. This is a pro-Irish, anti-British, uh, anti-British podcast. Yeah. Now uh, everything yeah. I just listed was in regard to the 1870s. Now we have the 1880s column, and now we arrive at the 1890s. Everything happens again. Uh, in Korea, we have the organization <sighs> of farmers into bandit groups to keep surviving by robbing. Um, there was conspiracy yes. theories in Korea going around that white Europeans had milk cans, um, like had these like cans of milk that they, what was it? They were like supposedly kidnapping Korean women and cutting off their breasts and filling them with milk. So there was, you know, in increased, you know, like anti you know, hostility to European colonizers in Korea during this time. Yeah. I mean, Even, like, that's fine. That's weird, but it's fine. Like, yeah, well, yeah, like, it's it's like maybe maybe wrong in the details, but right in the sentiment. Um, yeah, you know, Russia. We have uh, even Russia was forced to maintain exports during this period, which was a major power at this time, and even they were suffering through this. Uh, Ethiopia entered an era that's called the cruel days in there, where which was disease killing off livestock and like large periods of desperate prayer from everyone. Three quarters um, of three quarters of the cows died off just it's wild um, that ethiopia is like is like seen as like the stereotypical example of like starvation and like no food and stuff like that and it's like this used to be a great power 
like yes in north africa yeah and capitalism totally destroyed it, it like uh, yeah. this um, this stuff just like anyway gone yeah, I'm almost through here. So, of course, we have yeah. then in Egypt, a, a jihadist movement rises up to, um, but it gets defeated by famine, which the British use to fight off the jihad- jihadist movement. There are accounts of cannibalism throughout pretty much all of the regions we've listed here. In Sudan, whole tribes died out. Um, and stories were coming out from from the, the death of those living in more traditional formats uh, dying out because of this. Um, you know, Italian occupied famine areas like the, uh, Eritrean highlands experienced the same stuff. Um, I mean, I think, th- oh, this is the last thing I wanted to mention. There was a quote and I'm blanking on where it was from, but it was, um, oh yeah, it was, a uh, one of the missionary accounts in Africa. I don't remember which country it was where a, uh, a local African said Europeans track famines like a sky full of vultures. Um, which I think is maybe a good note to end this massive list on. Yeah, I um, think that yeah. that's like the per. I think that that is like the perfect benediction. Europeans mm-hmm. track famines like a sky full of vultures. And um, yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, I think that leads us into. I know we're probably still trying to wrap this up, but uh, I think mm-hmm. that, that that's a perfect place to end uh, because. It leads us straight into. Uh, hey, there we go. Uh, this is prelude perfect. to our next book. Um, yeah, so J- Jake is uh, announcing which... his pick for the book. We we don't know what it. Well, actually, I I I'm doing now the drum absolutely right know. I accidentally I accidentally, I accidentally spoiled it earlier as we were getting ready because I put my camera yeah, on it. Yeah, but Chris, but Chris doesn't but, know. So no, I don't know. So Josiah, you have to act surprised, Chris. I'm going to act. Be surprised, but if. Uh, ending on an African telling uh, a missionary that Europeans track a famine like a sky full of vultures. Uh, the reference to Africa is uh, prescient because we are going to be reading How Europe Underdeveloped Africa by Hell yes! Rodney. Yes! Oh, uh, yeah. I want to read that book. Hell yeah. This so, one. All right. Well, so so I, I just want to read the little blurb on the back. Uh, uh, so, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, How Europe Underdeveloped Africa is an ambitious masterwork of political economy detailing the impact of slavery and colonialism on the history of international capitalism. In this classic book, Rodney makes the unflinching case that African poverty is not a natural feature of geography or a consequence Mm -hmm. of culture, Mm -hmm. but a direct product of imperial extraction from the continent, a practice that continues into the present. Meticulously researched, How Europe Underdeveloped Africa remains an unshakably relevant study of the so-called great divergence between Africa and Europe, just as it remains a prescient resource for grasping the surge in global inequality today. In uh, uh, in our edition, uh, Angela Davis actually provides a foreword. um, Oh, hell yeah. Hot damn. Kind of interesting. Uh, So, uh, yeah. And um, in case you needed, uh, um, it does have a a problematic blurb. uh, this person said this book is a legendary classic that galvanized freedom fighters around the world. And that was a blurb given by uh, the author of Race Matters, Cornell West. Uh, so. <laughs> no, no, let's let's be clear. It's only no. become problematic in the last few years. <laughs> like, like, like the last month or so. Like the last couple months. Like, um, I know. Uh, uh, but anyway, that is a really, really good 
like companion with this book though. I, uh, I agree. I think so. That's this, yeah. um, that's why that's, that's why I chose that's that. a. That's a great fucking choice, Jake. Well, I, I think both of the books we've talked about for the book club thus far were written around the turn of the millennium, right? Because I think mm-hmm. Basque History of the World was around the early 2000s. Yeah. Too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this one's going to be interesting because I think we should devote a little bit of time when we get to it to a bit of the legacy because this is a book that was written in 1972. So we've got about 50 mm-hmm. years to talk about of like how wow, this book nice. mattered later on. So keep that yeah. in the back of your guys' head. But um, any any last thoughts about uh, late Victorian holocausts? Um, there's a there's a really really uh, bad, in my opinion, song uh, <laughs> called "Late Victorian Holocausts" uh, that uh, everyone should listen to <laughs> um, if you if you get a chance. Uh, Wait, is that by... the uh, is that the 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 uh, Nick, Nick Cave? Cave? Thing? Yes, Nick Cave wrote it, and it's sung by Marianne Faithful. Um, oh goodness gracious! It's Nicholas. It's just oh, I love Nick Cave. <laughs> and it's like this that's, ballad that's about the. It's this ballad about this like kind of like drug filled era of like club singers and in. in in England uh, or in, in, in London, I, I'm pretty sure I can't, I, I don't remember. I don't really care cause it's not a good song. Um, but, uh, it did get like best new track from pitchfork. So that just reinforces my opinion that it's not good, but, uh, um, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's this kind of like me. Yeah. That's a track. pretty, <laughs> uh, 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 it has this kind of like meandering, uh, uh, singing about this era. And then randomly she just pops out with like, it was a late Victorian Holocaust. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure what happened was Nick Cave just read this book and was like, that's a pretty cool title. We should probably like throw that in there. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's uh, that. Oh, I also, I wanted to mention, I wanted to mention that, that there was a critique from a U Chicago writer. And the critique was, <laughs> I think I mentioned this previously to y'all, that actually it wasn't capitalism that did this it was colonialism it was the authoritarian colonial right, government right that right did this. right of course and shit said, we didn't know, even talk I about said, this and like what's the difference <laughs> my brother and my brother in christ this they're, they're the same picture <laughs> <laughs> after after yeah after Jake had read that he was sending our group chat gifs of Lenin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like it's uh, uh for, I also just want to correct your pronunciation. It's it's gifs. No, it's gifs. Um, it's gifs. Um, <laughs> actually, uh, that, it's not peanut butter. But uh, we're, uh, we're not nope, we're not starting I, this. Uh, nope, I agree with Josiah. It's a gif. Yes. Uh, no, no, no. Yes. Uh, I hate democracy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, as a committed uh, as a committed social democrat, I, I hate democracy. Uh, but uh, um, what was I going to say? Uh, oh yeah. So 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 I do. I I did want to. I did want to note that. I, I and I just want to. I just want to. Uh, really really be clear that uh colonialism is just capitalism and uh uh, all this stuff about like um actually they were they were being inefficient because they weren't making the most rational market decision it's like that doesn't matter because remember that capitalism isn't just markets everyone thinks that capitalism is win free markets that's not true capitalism is 
private property and the employer employee wage relationship. Mm-hmm. Like that's what we, that's. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and all it's, it's of not, the, all of the prejudices that come with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And coercion and coercive issues yep. and, yep. Yep. Uh, uh, and all that stuff that goes with, it. I just want to be very clear about that, that all this stuff about like, well, the market wasn't free enough. First of all, there's no such thing as a free market. Uh, read that yep. by David Graeber. Uh, uh, I'm just, but, I, I can't stop. I, also, I can't stop myself. But also, but also they, 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 throughout this whole thing, kept trying to approach this as going, well, let's make the market freer. Let's make it freer. Yeah. And then they kept <laughs> killing they people. They did. And they killed 60 million people. And the review was like, oh, well, the, the Indians weren't free. They were clearly not free because they had to, uh, 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 they, they were under the thumb of this colonial government. What? Like, what Wait. are you? T- who, who, who's colonial who's government? Who's colonial government? The people that are trying to make the market free. The people that are doing free markets. I, I, who's who's yeah colonial government who's market who's what the fuck are god damn i have to say i have to say look look here's my thing i'll I'll end with this is that um everyone involved with you chicago uh economics except for that one marshall i can't remember his last name marshall steinbaum he's he's at utah yes he's at utah now yeah he's cool oh, he's, he's out cool. of U chicago okay except for yeah him he's and not bernie sand yeah. and bernie sanders because bernie sanders went to U chicago even though he wasn't part of the uh, economics oh. department except for those two people they can all take an extended siberian vacation that's all <laughs> <I have. laughs> Therm- uh. thermobaric thermobaric on U chicago <laughs> Oh man, that in that Minecraft, is um, in Minecraft, in Minecraft. If we Minecraft, if we if we do uh, if we do Shock Doctrine at some point, I know that's one I think we've all read. But it, if we want to do it, that would be a blast. Uh, we could really talk about how bad you <laughs> Chicago is. <laughs> a <was>. blast. <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, I think that does it. Um, last episode, we Chris and I wrapped it up by saying "fuck the French," and I think it's fitting. I think it would be fitting to end today's episode with "fuck the British." <laughs> Here we 100%. go. One hundred percent. One, two, three. Fuck, Fuck the, the British. British. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Fruitless, a podcast brought to you by our loyal patrons, who include Elizabeth Power, The Worst of All Possible Worlds, Moss, Kyle Gannis, Thomas C., James R., Leo Dickinson, and, of course, Chris Barker. I really appreciate your financial contributions. They, they really help the show grow and become sustainable. If you like what you heard today, there is more. There's bonus content available for these patrons that you you can find at patreon.com. There should be a link to our Patreon specifically in the show notes. And, you know, if you're not willing to commit just that much yet, another option is maybe just leaving us a positive review on Apple Podcasts. It it helps with the algorithm. It helps us get noticed more. So I, I would appreciate that. Um, aside from that, follow anyone involved with the show on social media. All that's in the show notes. And enjoy the rest of your day. 
And don't forget to join us next month for How Europe Underdeveloped Africa by Walter Rodney.